McMaster has over 210,000 alumni living in 140 countries around the world. Unconventional will introduce you to some of our alumni who are working to make our world a brighter place in their own unique way. Join me, Karen McQuig, Alumni Director at Mac, as we learn the moments that their path from Mac became unconventional. In this week's episode, I talk with Sammy Trung, a 2011 science grad who is currently living in Ireland. When he first graduated from McMaster, Sammy was hired on as an admin support role at a travel insurance company based in Hamilton. After about a year and a half in that role, Sammy felt like he was missing something and needed to make a change. That change resulted in Sammy's move to Ireland, where today he's a technical administration manager at Cubic M3. Sometimes we must challenge ourselves to take a big unconventional risk, and we can learn from Sammy on how that risk turned into the right decision for him. So Sammy, when I was looking at your your life after Mac story um, that you had written, I, I was really struck that you were a science student who was also a member of the social science executive. Um, uh, group. So you were part of social faculty social sciences um, group, um, which I thought, okay, that's a little bit different than a than a typical student journey. And then if I sort of flip to what you're doing now and your obvious passion for the arts and your volunteerism and your and your job, so maybe go back to McMaster and when you decided to be the two sides of Sammy and what made you kind of do that. Yeah, so when I started at Mac, I was, like you said, I was in the faculty of science, um, partially because of kind of pressure from my parents to do something along the lines of science or business. I went with science because I had a little bit of interest in it. Um, So after first year, um, I decided to major in biology, but by second year, I was just kind of losing interest. Like I didn't find that I'm that passionate about science. so my kind of plan at the time was go into science, get a job in healthcare, or continue on doing research. Um, but I didn't feel like I was passionate enough, so I started looking at other opportunities. Um, I had friends from secondary school who were in the faculty of social sciences, so they were part of the society, and I kind of got involved as a rep through, through them. And then I just got more and more involved with the society then. Um, I kind of, they kind of made me their honorary member and then they, they gave me the role. Um, I think it was VP outreach or something at the time. So, so I did that for a year and I don't know, from then I just kind of started looking at my kind of McMaster career, my, my job, um, that it's not just rigid. Like I can, you know, move around and try different things. Um, so then I started to really focus on doing a minor in English as well. And I had extra electives available. So I did anthropology, which which was part of the social science. And I think that really helped me in terms of getting a broader perspective on, on everything. Um, you know, I wasn't just a science student just because I happened to be in the science d- department. Um, I could be all these other things as well. So if you had to go back and give your sort of first year McMaster student um, a piece of advice. So you as coming into McMaster, what do you think you'd offer yourself now that you've had um, perspective on, on on your university experience? Yeah, so if I were to talk to my first year self, I would tell him to do what you're interested in. Like, if you're not interested in science, change your, change your program. Because um, ultimately, you're just 
not going to be happy, um, which I wasn't at the time. But I, you know, I finished my degree, but didn't really end up using my degree in the traditional sense. Like my, all my jobs afterwards were not really science related at all. But I think what I learned most from th that program was just how to think um, in terms of having an analytical mind. So it was very data-driven, um, some of the courses I took. So that kind of helped with my current roles as well, just because of the way I was trained. So that's kind of what I would tell my former self, just definitely do what you like. But also, if you're not going to do that, take a look at what you're doing in, you know, in the Faculty of Science and how it might be trans transferable to other areas of your life. Did you feel like you were sort of... Um... I think sometimes students think that when you come out of university or you go into university, you have to have like your, you have to know what you're going to be doing at the end. And sometimes we, you know, they, they send that path. And then one thing that university allows you is it's, it's a big place and there's lots of things and there's new experiences and there's lots of different experiences that people have as, as they journey through university. Did you, did you feel like you were kind of feeling a little bit like I had to do this, like I needed to, to pursue a biology or yeah, I definitely did feel that way. Um, a lot of it, some of it came from my parents and, you know, they're, you know, they mean well, obviously, you know, your parents always want you to succeed and they, in their mind, the sciences was, you know, at the top tier, like that's how you were going to get a really good job afterwards. So some of it came from that, but it's also my own personal expectations of myself at the time as well, comparing myself to other students, my friends and, um, and what their plan, life plans were. And, and it looked like they were seceding and what they decided to do, which was this one career path. Not, not all of them were like that, but I, you know, I started feeling a lot of pressure at the time that, you know, what's wrong with me? Why am I not focusing? Why, why don't I like biology enough to kind of continue on in this, in this path? Um, so that's, that's kind of how I felt at the time, um, which I later learned is you don't have to feel that way. Absolutely. So let's sort of switch to like when you actually graduated from McMaster and, and tell us a little bit about your first job, which was not necessarily attached to what you had, had studied. Yeah. So the first job I found after leaving Mac was for an insurance company um, in Hamilton uh, in a more admin role. So I was claim support. So all the incoming claims for insurance, um, I had to kind of process them and enter them into, into the system. So it was a bit of data entry as well. But you also had to be able to differentiate the t different kinds of claims and make sure it's being assigned to the right people. So I did that for a few months. And then I was kind of promoted to claims examiner then. Um, so on the flip side now, I'm, I'm the one assessing all the incoming claims and deciding whether people were getting their money, <laughs> which was kind of interesting at the time just to go through, you know, people's reasonings for why they were claiming and the different situations they caught themselves in because um, we, we did travel insurance. So which kind of kind of worked in my favor as well, because now sometimes people were submitting their travel brochures and stuff. So I was kind of reading through the travel brochures while I was assessing their claims. So that, yeah, it wasn't really related to my undergrad at all, um, except for some of the medical claims. So some of the terminology I would have learned during my time in yeah, at Mac as well. So it was kind of useful that way. But uh, like I mentioned before, how I was learning in the, in biology, just a analyzing data and everything that really helped with assessing claims because some some of the some of the claims that people sent in were very complex. 
and you have to make sure that it's actually covered under their policies. Right. What do you think you learned about yourself during that that first job experience? Because you had success, like you went in there and you got promoted. But, you know, like, so what did you think you learned about yourself through that experience? Um, I learned that I was very adaptable, I think. Um, so, like I said, I was on track of being in biology and the sciences. And then all of a sudden, I'm in a completely different field. And I found out that I could quickly learn this different field enough to get promoted within a few months as well. Um, I also learned that I'm pretty good at admin. <laughs> but at the time, you know, the first year of that job, I was getting really into it. I thought, yes, I found a career path. My parents approve of it. Maybe this is this is what I'm going to do for the rest of my life. And I started looking at how to get credentials and insurance and what courses I need to do. Obviously, things didn't work out that way because... You know, I'm not 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 working in insurance anymore. But yeah, so let's talk about like sort of sort of you know, yeah, you, you had great success in your first post McMaster job, but then you decided to take a real big leap that would often scare people. Like you sort of decided, I'm not sure that this is for me, and pick up and move to a different country. So why don't you talk a little bit about that? Maybe it was the travel brochures that you were looking at when you were doing the claims. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, the travel brochures. A lot of them were cruise lines. Some of them were for group tours around the world. Um, the ones that always caught my attention were the ones in Europe because I had, hadn't been to anywhere, really. Um, I had only been to Taiwan in terms of travel where um, my mom's side of the family are from. So I got really interested in traveling then. Um, and the second year of my job, I decided to go on a trip, first to New York for a week on my own. That was my first solo holiday as well. A few months after that, I did a group tour around Ireland. Um, that's just what the travel agent has recommended, and I thought it looked good, so I went on that trip. Fell in love with the country. I just loved everything about it. There was a lot of nature. There was all the Ir the Irish people were very nice. Um, there was just I kind of felt like I fit in there. Um, after I came back from that trip, I was I started looking online just at different options for moving abroad for a bit because it was the one thing I never did during my undergrad as well. I know a lot of people studied abroad and I just never, never did it. Um, and then I found the SWAP working holiday program, um, otherwise known as the youth mobility scheme. So a number of countries in the world have an agreement to grant working holiday visas for people up to 30 or 35 years old, um, giving them the opportunity to live in another country for up to one or two years. I think it's usually two. Um, with this visa, then you can live there and and work. You have, you have the right to do that. And I think the whole idea is to allow youth to kind of broaden their horizons and look, see the world a bit while living there. So I thought, great. Um, you know, I'm not feeling really feeling my job anymore. I need a fresh start. I need a break. So I thought I would do this for two years. Um, I think at the time as well, I think one of my reasoning was also, you know, I still don't really feel like I have a set career path. And maybe if I'm abroad, I might have an aha moment and then, you know, realize this is what I meant to do kind of thing. So I, I sent in the application, which was very straightforward um, for Ireland anyway. And my parents were definitely not happy about the decision. Um, so we had a few arguments about it at the time, but we're okay now. And, you know, a lot of my friends were surprised that I decided to do it as well, because 
you know, I was always more so quiet. Um, you know, I didn't take huge risks like this at the time. Um, some of them even said to me, you know, you'll have a great experience, but I wouldn't be surprised if you failed to get a job there and came back after a few months. So, you know, but a lot of them were supportive. Um, you know, they wished they could do it themselves. And I was always like, well, you could do it too. So I moved over in October of 2013. And it's an English speaking country predominantly. So there wasn't a culture shock in terms of language, but there are a number of differences. So I, I had to live in a hostel for six weeks until I found a place to live, um, which was a shared house. And during that entire process, I kind of got to know that housing is very expensive in Dublin. <laughs> it's not a cheap city. I have traveled there. It is not a cheap city. Beautiful city. And I would recommend anybody go to Ireland, but it's not cheap. <laughs> That's the other thing, like visiting a place and actually living there are two different things. So obviously I had traveled there a few months before, fell in love with the city, but now I'm living there and spending a lot of money to share a house with tree. I think actually it was five people, the first house I lived in, which was beside Croke Park, this big stadium where there, there are concerts all the time. So it was very noisy. And then I learned that most people actually share housing because it's so expensive and it's not, it's not looked down upon. And a lot of people actually live with their parents up to, you know, in the thirties or even forties until they can buy a place of their own. And it's not like a, there's no stigma behind it. Mm -hmm. The other part of it, obviously as well, I had to get a job. Um, like I had a lot of money saved up, have not really traveled or had big expenses. And I was living at home at the time, still in Canada. So, but I still, I didn't want to watch my bank just drop. So I, it took me a really long time to get a job. Um, I didn't work for the first two months, three months of living in Ireland until January, January of 2014, where I started doing temp work. Um, and ironically enough, one of the places they placed me in was an insurance company where I was for three weeks doing kind of admin entry, data entry work. Um, finally, I was placed in a publishing company. Um, so they do education publishing uh, called Holton Midland Hardboard uh, or HMH. So I was, again, brought in as more of an admin kind of role sales support. And then they happened to have a opening for inside sales account executive. And the two sales reps at the time were really supportive of me applying for the job. They, I guess they saw something in me. Um, so I did. And I ended up getting that job. And I stayed there for about five, six years. Yeah, the same role. Uh, but I changed my the territory I covered. So I, so I looked after a few countries in Europe. Um, Worked, worked with international schools in Africa as well. Um, and I also had the opportunity to, to travel for work. So I went to South Africa, Nigeria, Senegal, um, Ghana, and a number of countries in Europe as well. None of that was what I would imagine my life in Ireland would be like. You know, I didn't decide to move there and then expect to get a job where I could travel around the world even more. Right. Um, and not on my own expense. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> Which is great. That's, a, that's, that's good travel. You said you weren't a risk taker before doing this, and and you definitely went out of your comfort zone. So, is can you go back and think about like what really was the like the specific reason that you said 
I think I need to take this risk and I need to live outside my comfort zone. Um, because for most people, when you graduate, if you don't like being on, like you're moving to a different country, you don't have a job. Okay. Where's the path? You don't want to, you know, you don't want to spend all your money that those are really big stressors. So number one, how did you handle the stress? But also what was the trigger that you said, I am going to take this risk? Um, I suppose the trigger was, I knew I wasn't happy and I needed a change. Um, and you know, I very easily could have just continued on in Canada and, where it was comfortable living with my parent with my parents until I found a place my own. Going through the motions of buying a house, you know, getting a car and doing all the things that your parents and society tell you you're supposed to do. And I just I I don't know, I just felt like I was trapped in a box. Like I why why do I need to do all this? Um I suppose that that kind of triggered me. That obviously went on for a bit, but there, I don't say there was a specific trigger, but I think maybe I was inspired when I went abroad. So I guess that's, that, that was the trigger, I guess, um, that trip, that week long trip to Ireland, um, that kind of sparked, that really sparked it then. Cause I, I got some more serious about making a change. So you went, um, you know, insurance and then educational, um, publishing company, and now you have a, a completely different job. So why don't you tell us a little bit about what you're doing now? Yeah. So I left HMH um in 2019 um mostly for personal reasons i wanted to go back to canada for a bit and, and spend some time with my family and then did some traveling as well um and then in 2020 during the pandemic i wasn't i was looking for a job for about four or five months um, and then i managed to get one in a sustainable sustainable solutions company so they go out and do kind of installations for stormwater tanks and solar PV panels, rainwater harvesting, um, that kind of things. So they do kind of commercial, mostly commercial jobs. Uh, my role was technical admin manager. So I manage admin for sales and operations um, with two direct reports. So I was still doing sales in a way because I was supporting the sales team. So I could bring what I learned in my job at the publishing house um, you know what what does a sales person need to be successful and i could i had that perspective so i could bring what i learned there into my current job um while the industry is obviously different um, i had to i had to quickly learn that as well and and then be able to support them and i've been there since since i got i'm still there now um and the company has grown a little bit just coming out of the pandemic um, obviously, it's being the construction industry. A lot of the construction projects were shut down during the lockdowns, um, but things are definitely picking up, and we're continuing to grow. And there's a lot of admin work involved in terms of, you know, certificate completion certificates for projects um, and all that, um, locking all the sales opportunities and all the quotes. So, yeah, like I, it is a completely different industry, um, but. It's the transferable skills that I brought with me are definitely relevant. And I that's kind of my advice to anyone as well. You know, if you're you don't shouldn't have to feel like you need to stay in the same industry all the time. The transferable skills is what will probably set you apart more so than your knowledge, um, I would say. Because uh, if you if you're able to learn things quickly, this is just my experience, but if you're able to learn things very quickly, you're and you already have the skills, then you can be successful in, in any role. 
So you are still in Dublin, and I'm assuming that you're going to be there for a bit. What what do you do to keep yourself, you know, outside of work hours? Uh, anything you know that you've embraced in during your time in Dublin? Yeah, so I got really involved with a lot of the arts festivals in Dublin. Um, after I got my work permit to stay here longer, I um, a lot of my friends that I made at the time when I first moved over had already left the country because they were on, obviously on the working holiday visa and they weren't as lucky as me to get the work permit or they just they had other plans anyway to, to leave Ireland after the two years. So I, I needed to I wanted to make make new friends and meet new people and I found volunteer opportunities with all of the arts festivals. So the first one I did was the Dublin Fringe Festival. And what I quickly learned was there's a it's a real community of volunteers because they they move from festivals to festivals um which is great so i quickly made a lot of friends um i got really excited about the the volunteer roles as well just being out in the public um and i could bring what bring some of the things skills i had in my professional career um you know dealing with the public and speaking with customers into the volunteer jobs as well so the fringe festival was really great because you know you meet a lot of a lot of different people because fringe is it's theater it's dance it's art installations um it could be anything so you're meeting a lot of different people with different opinions different views and it's very international as well it's not just irish so that was great and then you know from there i just kept signing up for for more volunteer opportunities i did that year i, I also did the bram stoker festival uh, you know the author of dracula um, they named the festival after him yeah um so that was over halloween um and then i did the dublin book festival and then the next kind of major one i did was the dublin international film festival um, which i've done four times now and after the second time, I expressed interest in being one of the venue supervisors slash managers um, and, you know, interview for it. They gave me the job. That actually was me stepping outside my comfort zone um, again, because it's a very public facing role, which I had no experience and had no desire to do before. But I wanted to challenge myself because it's something I've never done before. Um, not only was it public facing, I also had to uh, manage and supervise a team of volunteers um, and on the really busy shifts there, there might be 15 to 20 volunteers so my role as a venue manager was to make sure all the movie screenings were put up on time making sure it doesn't interfere with the cinema's own screenings as well as kind of making sure that you know the public were aware of the festival doing some marketing work as well and getting feedback making sure some of the surveys were being done by people going to see the films because feedback is very important for festivals on how to improve so yeah the first year i did it it was very rough going i i wasn't the main manager i was the supervisor so thankfully my, i learned uh, quite a lot from my very experienced venue manager that year and then this year then so a few months ago i was made the main manager then so i was on my own basically supervising the um, volunteers and making sure the screens went up on time and this year in particular was very easy going because it was the first one after the pandemic so there weren't as many screenings as usual um, next year would be a lot busier but there were still some issues that i had to deal with um, that i again never had to deal with before um, so i actually had 
cinema goers um, shout at me because the film that was put up didn't have subtitles and they, they were trying to blame me for everything. Um, it wasn't very nice and it was not something I had experienced before. And at the time, it was very stressful, but I managed to keep keep everyone calm and just carried on with making sure that you know customers were able to get their refunds back. And, and after that experience, I was just thinking, you know, if I hadn't moved to Dublin, and if I didn't struggle trying to get a job and finding a place to live, I might not have had the resilience or experience to kind of deal with that. Um, I don't think if something like that happened to me, but during Mac, during my time at Mac, I would have, I would have probably broken down. <laughs> Good for you. So, um, you know, being a volunteer manager is interesting because then you you learn a lot. Like people are volunteering and you're managing a group. You you mentioned that you're managing a couple people in your role here. So, have you learned, like, you know, what what have you taken away from your volunteer experience that you've been able to use as a day to day manager in your job? Um, yeah, it's. Um... As a volunteer manager, you have to understand, and as a manager at work, you have to understand the people you manage, what their capabilities are and what they're able to do. And part of that is also understanding what they know, what what they think they're capable of. Um, Because a lot of the times people can actually do a lot more than they think, myself included. So yeah, as a volunteer manager, you kind of identify people who might seem shy or reserved but actually they are capable a lot when given the opportunity and and the jobs so i carry that over to my my professional job and just communicating with them and getting to know their ideas and that i learned how to be a manager based basically from having good managers myself and seeing what worked and what didn't work what i in my previous job you know i i was usually quiet during meetings but after the meetings my manager at the time would pulled me aside to ask me what I thought about what happened because, you know, he knew I had good ideas, but maybe that's didn't necessarily speak up. And that's kind of recognizing things like that and making sure that the people you manage are being heard. They have something to say, but, you know, maybe they didn't think of it at the time. So, yeah. And the other important thing I learned as a manager as well is just getting feedback on the way I manage. I think that when there's a manager relationship like that, um, it's important that it's a two-way street. Mm-hmm. You kind of have to give and take feedback. Mm-hmm. You know, no, nobody's perfect, and it's always it's in the spirit of improving. So, absolutely. Where do you see yourself in five years? Will you still be in Dublin? Do you think, or will you be back in Canada or trying a different country? Like, what's 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 your five-year plan? Um, my five-year plan. Um, well, my I'm working on applying for citizenship. Yes, it's part of that plan. So I'm pretty sure I qualify for it now. But in terms of, see, my my every anytime I think about the future, it's always tied to where am I going to live, and you know, my parents always want me to move home, and I'm like, I don't know if I want to do that right now. So, right at this moment in time, I would say I would still be living in in Ireland. Um, I don't know if I would necessarily be working the same job there's still a lot that i can contribute in my current company so i certainly will be there for the next little while professionally i want to be continuing on the career track of sales operations i think i have a knack for it and i generally genuine finally like it as well so there's a few areas of upskilling i need to do for that i think and at the same time i also want to continue to build experience in the arts just because that part of it is what I'm passionate about, working with the festivals more, 
getting more roles, more supervisory roles as well. And then a personal goal of mine in the next few years is to write a book, um, oh, wow. <laughs> which is completely different as well. But yeah, I have a few number of ideas um, that I've jotted down. But yeah, that's kind of what, where I, what I'm working towards in the next five years, I think. Are you able to, have you been able to take advantage? Because generally when you're over in Europe, it's a lot cheaper to hop between countries. Have you been able to do a bunch of traveling around Europe? Oh, absolutely. Obviously, the pandemic has still dabbed down quite a bit. But yeah, before the pandemic, I must have been going somewhere every month just because the flights are so cheap. Yeah. So there's an airline called Ryanair. I don't know if you're aware of it, but they... I, I know Ryanair. Yes, Ryanair. I, my, yeah. my niece did a... Actually, she did a work study. She was um, not work study, a study abroad. She's an art, was an arts and science student at McMaster. So she went and that's where she went. She was always on the cheap air flights on Ryanair. <laughs> yeah. It's funny because the cheapest flights are at the most inconvenient times. I like half six, six 30 in the morning. So <laughs> took a lot of those ones. <laughs> yeah. But um, yeah, I, I must've been going somewhere every month just on short weekend trips. Um, I did longer ones as well, but, and it was mainly around Europe. There's still quite a number of places I haven't been that I would like to go to, um, including all of Scandinavia. Haven't been to any of the countries there. Um, and surprisingly, I haven't been to Rome either. I know that's usually at the top of everyone's list. Well, you'll have to get over there. So as we kind of wrap up our podcast, we'd like to ask people a few closing questions. So I'm going to do a bunch of ra- rapid fire questions for you. Um, so here we go. First one, favorite memory of McMaster. And yeah, it's actually um, the social society, social science society. Um, they did a camping trip in the summer before Welcome Week. So that year, I was going to be one of the Soxide reps. So that was just a very memorable weekend for me. Um, I made a lot of new friends there. Some of them are I'm still friends with now. Speak to every day. And um, but in gen that that was. That's probably the one memory that pops up at me when you ask the question. But, you know, my time at Mac is also filled with other little memories that I think about sometimes as well. Um, what book are you reading or what podcast do you listen to that you'd recommend for people? I'm actually reading a Stephen King book, uh, Carrie. But uh, the last book I read was called 4,000 Weeks by Oliver Berkman. Um, that was a really interesting book. Um, it says it's about time management, but it's not it's more about your perspective, our perspective of time and how we manage time. Um, it was a really interesting read. And I, I'm about to start a new book called Mindset by Carol Dweck. And that's kind of about changing the way you you think about things in your professional, personal life as well. And just being able to change your mindset to fulfill your potential. I'm looking forward to that. But this, yeah, this year I'm reading a lot more books. It was one of, it was one of my New Year resolutions. Um, I've actually picked up a lot of translated fiction this year as well, from Japanese and to Korean books. So I've got a few on my list. Okay. Um, what living person do you most admire? Um, that's, a, that's a tough question. Um, <laughs> yeah, I, I don't know if there's one single person I admire in their entirety. You know, I, I admire my parents for moving to Canada and building a life there. Um, I think that takes a lot of resilience, at, as I've now learned myself from having moved moved to Ireland. Um, I actually I read another book earlier in the year by um, Simu Liu. Um, he's an actor on Kim's Convenience and the first Marvel 
uh, Asian material as well. So his book, actually, I could relate to a lot um, because his family also immigrated to Canada. Um, and a lot of what he wrote was very relatable to me about his experience growing up. Um, and I think I kind of admire how he was able to break out of that and, you know, become this big movie star now. So Well, that's a good that's a good person. It's a great show. He's a great actor. Great story. Um, and the last question is, many of us bought um, items during COVID. So what was your COVID purchase, your best COVID purchase? Um, I brought I bought some kettlebells and weights for working out at home. Um, I'm sure a lot of people did that as well. <laughs> Are you still using them? Uh, not as much as before, but <laughs> but they're there. But we're we're back out in, yeah. in the world a little yeah. bit more these days. So yeah, excellent. Well, Sammy, this has been a really nice conversation with you to learn about your journey past McMaster, and I think you have a really interesting story and in how you balanced um, a love for the arts, but your science and how you be able to meld those into the, your your life journey and your careers and what things you're interested in. So um, why don't we wrap it up today with sort of, um, you know, closing thoughts or a piece of advice you'd share with people who are coming out of university thinking, oh, I'm not sure what I'm going to do. Um, yeah, my one advice for people graduating and not knowing what they want to do would be to to not be afraid to try different things. Um, you know, and you know, if something doesn't work out, it doesn't mean you failed. In fact, you succeeded because you you tried and you found out that something wasn't for you. So you move on to something else. And that's kind of been what I've been learning this whole time um, from since graduating. You know, the insurance company wasn't what I thought it would be. So I moved abroad. I tried something new. You know, I took courses here and there, completed them. You kind of build on what you learned um, with everything that you you attempt so that's kind of my one advice to not be afraid to to just to just try that's really good advice thanks sammy for the conversation today yeah thank you very much mm -hmm.